Milk Duds Podcast for the love of the game, featuring NBA champion, Big Three champion, Mr. Josh Powell. Uh, welcome to the Milk Duds Podcast. Uh, we thank you for joining us tonight. We have uh, Brother Joshua in the building. Yes, sir. And we got Brother Dez in the building. What's going on? And we're going to give a big shout out to our brother who's missing tonight, uh, Brother Jamal, who couldn't be with us due to family issues. Uh, yeah, man. You don't put all these niggas out there in the street like that, man. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, leave. And, and Somebody smoking f- crack? <laughs> <laughs> when they say family issues, they forgot, to, he forgot to gas up the oh, jet. So he I wasn't family matters? Man. I mean, <laughs> spending time with his family. We're entitled. His uncle's smoking a joint right now. <laughs> Like really, dog? Do they call them joints anymore, bro? Yeah, they still call them joints. Okay, they be smoking the drugs. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, now that we got Des here, I wanted to talk football real quick. Um, the Eagles is sucking it up, bro. Uh, you, uh, bro, we tied with the Bengals. How does that happen? Well, I mean, it's three games in, right? It don't matter, man. We owe and two and one. Oh yeah, season's over. I mean, the season's not over, bro. Yeah. Like, Have you ever heard of somebody? Honestly, we ran into the same thing with the Eagles, what, two years ago? when We both started the year playing each other in the Dome. And we I remember. The Eagles at the last minute. And then the Eagles started that year like one and two. But y'all recovered and made the playoffs. Yeah, I, I went to so, that game. That was one of the one of the best seats that I ever had at the stadium, too. Yeah, yeah. And Julio put on a show on y'all. But anyway. I don't think the season's over with. I just think that right now, <laughs> you stupid. I just think that right now there's something going on with Carson Wentz that I can't, I can't, I can't quantify because I'm not in that locker room. Mm-hmm. I'm not in those huddles. But there's something going on right now that I can't put my finger on. But there's obvious, there's an obvious disconnect between him and coaching, and. Unless that gets sorted out and quick, this season's going to go down the twos real fast. Uh, so, real quick, um, Joshua, who's your team, sir? Is it the Broncos? the Broncos? Don't say the Broncos. Cause y'all owe three too, brother. Yeah, but but I'm not. The whole podcast is a shit show. Yeah, yeah, everybody is going through yeah. hell right now. <laughs> so none of us can talk. Although I did see a post today, and it, it said if you have a Falcons jersey and you live in Atlanta, uh, just come to practice tomorrow. well hey look actually man i i I, like i said i haven't watched any games this year but i do know that the starting quarterback for the denver broncos is hurt so what's y'all's excuse uh brother have y'all actually had a starting quarterback for the last three four years yeah yes no no you don't you don't hear my question have y'all actually had a quarterback that y'all stuck with for the entire season for the past three years. Bro, we drafted a guy. You want Paxton Lynch? No. <laughs> you got jokes. <laughs> you got jokes. Just say, look, right now, it's not looking good for anybody but Russell Wilson. Oh, you know, that's right. Um, I got Flacco now. So Flacco's going to come in there and save it. No, no, no. Flacco's gone. No, they got rid of Flacco absolutely. already? Hell yeah. Did you? Hey, uh, 
Man, Flacco Drew couldn't Lock, get in the door Drew, Drew, Flacco Drew couldn't Lock, even figure out where the bathroom was. Drew Locke will be back halfway through the season. Drew Locke? Yeah, he's, he's good, man. That dude came out, what, six years ago? No, Thank God. his rookie year was last year. Thank you. Oh, okay. And, he's a Pac-12 guy, right? Um, yeah. In the interest of time, uh, we have a visitor tonight, a special guest. And so um, we're going to deflect from the NFL and we're going to jump into the NBA. I would like to welcome two-time NBA champion, Atlanta native, big three. Also my namesake. Excuse me? Also also my namesake. Mr. Josh Powell. (laughs) Big time. What's happening? Kings, what's going on? How y'all doing? We blessed, man. How you doing? Man, I'm blessed too. I have no complaints. No complaints at all. Apologies on on my tardiness. We just uh just wrapped up a training session. So No, you good, man. We appreciate you being here, man. Um, you know, initially uh I wanted to kind of talk NBA, but as me and the brother started talking, man, it's like, you know what, this brother's an Atlanta legend, man. You've accomplished something that many dreamed of. And so we kind of want to celebrate you today and just talk to you about your journey, man. Talk to you about uh, how it started. Um, talk to you about what it feels like, you know, to be in a locker room, um, you know, for the finals. You know, can you sleep the night before? Like, what is that preparation? I know you had an opportunity to work with the greatest, man, Kobe. Um, I mean, brother, you're a legend in, in itself. If you don't hear that every day, you hear it now. Man, I appreciate it, King. Um, no, it's just been, you know, very humbling across the board. You know, just coming from the south side of Atlanta, um, having the journey that I had, um, it definitely wasn't an easy one. I mean, I went undrafted, being able to get in, not once but twice, even after coming back out after the lockout um, and getting back in. So, um, it's just been humbling across the board to be able to have the longevity that I have as well. I mean, I've been in 18 years, um, and it seems like it just blew by. But I'm beyond grateful for, for every opportunity, the the coaches that I've been able to play under, the organizations that I've been able to be a part of, um, and definitely the players that I was able to grind alongside of. So it's been great. Um, out, of, out of the players that you played with, um, when you was, uh, I would say, in the Lakers, um, when you were with the Lakers, um, do you still stay in touch with any of you guys? Yeah, um, I still stay in touch with Meta, um, Trevor, Ariza. I mean, Lamar was out here. Lamar's up in, I think, Cleveland or something right now. But hello. Um, yeah, I still. I mean, I stay in touch with uh, with a lot of guys. You know, uh, Danny. Uh, well, Danny's with the Lakers now, but <laughs> we played together. <laughs> we played together in San Antonio, so that's, that's, that's my bad. But, okay. But, um, hey. yeah, I keep in touch with a lot of guys, though. So, Josh, something we were talking about before you got on is something I'm really interested in, which is how, and from your perspective, being up, up, up close, how good was Andrew Bynum in, in that three-year run that y'all had and – what do you think changed with him once he went to Philly? So I'm glad you brought that up um, because there was a question, I think, that Ron Artest – it was somebody that posted this question and said, who are, who are the top five bigs of all time for the Lakers? I think it was something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and – when they asked me, um, I put up Kareem, obviously, Wilt, Wilt. Uh, 
George Mike. Shaq. Shaq. I didn't even put Mike in up there. I put Powell and then I put uh Andrew. I put uh Andrew. Yep. Wow, bro. Because I know they were I know they was I know they were saying, you know, Dwight, I didn't think Dwight was there long enough. Yeah. Um, even though he's done everything he's done in his career. Um, but notable because you know, I mean, he came in at what, 17, yep. 18? Yep. And he was at least there for a good seven, eight years, I would think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But when he was healthy, and I'm telling you, like him healthy and how he started to figure that thing out, I don't, I don't, I don't even think it's close. Because like he was playing low minutes, and he had a stretch where he was averaging like 25 and like 14 or something like it was something crazy. Mm-hmm. Like where he literally like figured it out and he was like in less than 30 minutes was getting them numbers night in, wow. night out. Yeah. Wow. And he, he did that for weeks on at a time. And he was switching but, on and off with power, wasn't he? Well, they played them together. Oh yeah. And then, so they and then once they, you know, one, once they, once they um, brought Lamar in, then they would switch them out and do it like that. And then it would, and then it would ultimately be like who's doing what throughout the game and, and all of that kind of stuff. But I, I don't even think it's close, man. I mean, you're talking about somebody who had the size. He had great feet. Um, he had a little bit of athleticism with him. He definitely was skilled. He can knock down a little jumper. Um, and he could defend, do things like that. I mean, bro, bro was a beast. I seen that myself when he got uh, DeAndre 42 Ooh, in yeah. like under 30 minutes. I think Ooh. that was his career high. Like when he he had like 20, he had like 20 in the first quarter or something like that. It was something crazy. Yeah. I, so so you so you talking to um, lifelong Lakers fan, and I, I remember a lot of those a lot of those games, man. And mm-hmm. I and, and before you got on, I was just saying that I believe that y'all would have had three-peated had Andrew Bynum been healthy that, that season uh, when he lost to the Celtics in the finals. Um, and they right. came back. Yep. Because I, I remember that. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that's, that was always like his thing was just health because even the two years that we went back-to-back, um, he was still dealing with those knee issues and things like that. So – uh, for him to give us what he had, I think it was a meniscus or something like that because he missed some time and was able to come during playoffs. And for him to give us what he had even during that time was still special. Like, you can't take nothing away from that man. Like, if he was healthy, it ain't no telling what could have happened and how it could have happened. I mean, he was that good. And so you so you were there, obviously. So you probably have um, a different perspective, and you definitely – um, see it a lot better than you know probably I would, but it seemed like he was especially after the second round or so that he was kind of like you know not he wasn't all the way there, but he found ways to impact the game in in ways that the greats always do if their health is compromised or if like there's something that's going on physically where they're not able to dominate the game in their preferred way. Would you would you say that? No, definitely, and you you hit it right on right right on the head because what's interesting is, um, I mean, he's a great great person, man. Like person that that I you know what I'm saying knew like I talked to him a lot. That was somebody that was one of the people that I spent time with off the court 
And I mean, he was like a big kid, you know what I'm saying? Did, did he love the game? That's, that's obviously something that people felt was in question, but he definitely did what needed to be done on the court for the two years that I was there when we won it back to back. Can't take that from him. You just said uh, that he loved the game and that, that's the question. Um, you know, once you make it to the NBA, it's not all basketball, right? So how do you balance that? And what do you, like, what do you, what is your perspective on that? On, on what side are we talking about? Uh, you know, because there's a business side to the NBA and then there's the basketball right. side. Um, so a lot of times we see that people fall, you know, out of love with basketball based on letting business take over. Yeah, I, I think it's kind of tough because some, some people, you know, may not necessarily have that love to begin with, but because they're just really good at what they do, that they just do it. Um, and from a business aspect, you know, there are definitely things that guys are uh, more intrigued by or things that they love maybe as much or even more. So, you know, as far as if we're talking about him as concerned, I, I think for him it's just letting him be who he is and just making sure that, you know, you push him when it comes to being on the court. Like one thing I, I respect about Phil Jackson is – he understood how to manage egos. So he let people be who they were and, and, and dealt with them ha as they are and found ways to channel um, or bring out the best in them by how he coached or some of the decisions that he made. And some of those decisions may include him understanding, you know, what guys need in their off-the-court situations. I mean, I think that the last dance showed and that was a prime example. I mean, he let Dennis Rodman during the pivotal time of the season go away to Vegas because he had to get some stuff out of his system. <laughs> so that just goes to show, you know what I mean, that, that Phil Jackson is a mastermind on dealing with egos and things like that. So, you know, with, with, with Bynum, he's a big kid. You know, he loved cars. He loved guns. I mean, he, he had things that he enjoyed doing. You know, you just got to let him be who he is. Man, so so – I really appreciate you giving us that insight. If we could stay in LA, uh, but switch franchises, talk about coaching, obviously big news. Um, you know, the Clippers by almost everybody's standards seem to underperform. And you had to know that Doc was going to be out of there like one way or another. Uh, but I mean, like when- I kind of hate that for Doc. I was going to ask you how you feel about that because it seemed like everybody loves Doc. He obviously made them a winning franchise. From the standpoint of, yeah, I, I kind of hate that for Doc from the standpoint of um, he – I mean, you got to think what he was dealt going into the playoffs. You had guys that were coming off of quarantine – you know, they didn't get a chance to play. Some guys might have been hurt. So they really didn't – they really wasn't going in there the same as if the season would have still been going on and, you know, being able to be locked and loaded. Not making any use, but I still think it's, it's something that is valid because if you don't have guys being able to get reps up and be able to, you know, get their rhythm – before the playoffs start, then it's then it's kind of tough. Like it's it's, it's kind of tough to hit that on and off switch. And, and for example, I mean, think of how nervous people were for the LA Lakers because they felt that they didn't have a strong five games. But look at how look at how because they were able to 
you know, turn that thing on and they didn't have to deal with anybody quarantining or going in and out the bubble and all that kind of stuff, which matters because two weeks is a long time to not be with your team. And then, and then last but not least, I mean, (laughs) the Donald Sterling plague is, is real. Mm. (laughs) Like seriously, it's, Something I was there. I played there too, and it's something about that organization. When I played there, we had fifteen guys, and then by the last couple of months of the season, eight guys were injured. Wow! Oh wow! So, for me, that was one of my best years because I got a chance to start and play thirty minutes a game for the last two to three months of the season where I was getting numbers and showing what I could do, which actually helped me get the Lakers job. But at the same time, it's just like dealing with all the injuries. I mean, Elton Brand was trying to come back from, I think he tore his Achilles or something like that. Sean Livingston was trying to come back. Knight uh, was going through what he was going through. Chris Kamen was like in and out. Paul Davis, I think, tore his ACL during the season. Uh, I mean, it was just across the board, just what we were dealing with, seven to eight-man rotation going for the last couple of months of the season. Yeah, I, I remember this something season. about was that, that like franchise, and they can't get – that was the year Boston won the championship. Oh, okay, okay, that's right. Yeah, because prior to that, I mean, think about how good that team – I mean, they've always had talent. But before – the year before, like, when Elton Brand got hurt and all that stuff going on, man, I mean, the boys had a nice little situation going. I mean, we had Corey Maggette, mm-hmm. um, Quentin Ross. We had Katino Mobley, Sam. You know what I'm saying? Like, we, we – I mean, if everybody was healthy, then – I can yeah, only imagine how roster. it would have been. Yeah, yeah, we had a legit roster. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying to win a championship, but the Clippers are able to have pretty decent teams. I mean, think about when Chris Paul and the whole Lob City, but it's like they could never get right, though. Mm-hmm. Somebody's getting hurt. Something going to happen. It's just always something awkward and weird going on. So you think so, you, 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 know, you think it's a lot of bad luck going on over there in that franchise? I think it's a mixture. I mean, you can't deny that. You know what I'm saying? I agree, man. Some they weird, can't some get over the hump, bro. They can't get over the hump. Even the year, think about this. I was on that Houston team right. where where they had us down the 3-1. 3-1. Yeah. yeah, man. Yeah, I was coaching. Yeah. I was coaching, bro. There's no way. That, that, that we supposed to walk them down like that. Mm. Yeah. And and again, are we going to really base everything on coaching? Off of Doc? Even though Doc has his responsibilities in that, I'm not going to base everything on Doc, though. Okay. I think, I think us as players, you know what I'm saying, when you think about some of these guys that get fired, us as players – you know, got to got to take responsibility. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, if there's some play calls or some stuff at the end of the game, like that happens. That's a part of coaching. But, I mean, we was – shit, we was – we was down 20. And came back in one, one game, like, it's just, it's just a little bit of both, man. 
them folks got bad luck, but you know, Doc historically, you know what I'm saying, is is one of those upper echelon coaches. So so it's interesting it's interesting you say that because there's one there's four of us and one of us says that Doc is the most overrated um coach that's won a ring. My reaction was that you can't be overrated and win a ring. But I mean, <laughs> what what are your thoughts on that? I think there's truth to that. Um, okay. But because you got to understand too that a lot of coaches are in position when they have players. Sometimes your players get you over the hump. You know what I'm saying? Like there are some coaches out there, right? Because of the players that they have, that you don't necessarily see the flaw in the coaches. Mm. Because the, the players are able to bail them out. And then you'll see the greatness of a coach because it's like what they're doing and how do they get them to these situations. Like, they were just talking about Eric Spolster the other day, right? And consistently for the better more, because has been there for at least 50, I don't know how long he's been there. Yeah, I think you're right about Before he came, years. became yeah. the head coach. Yeah. Yeah, so I, so before he came, like when he became the head coach and doing our, like the the thing he had always been in the, and obviously yes they went to four straight finals when they had those players, but I mean, look at the group that he has now and how he has you know that group is in the finals from coach mentality, and that's not me saying that they're not a talented group they're hella talented. They got young boys, you know, they got Jimmy, you know, they, you know, even with the OG, um, Udonis on the sideline. But you can't take away the fact that this man with what he's doing, um, the coaching decisions and things like that and how he prepares that team, that, that has a lot to do with it. Yeah, I mean, it seems that um, it, you, you definitely got to give props because they never tanked. Mm-hmm. Um, and they like did and, and like you said, like they came through, like no matter who it was, year in and year out, you know, they played Miami Heat basketball. And it seems like his team tend to overperform. And it seems like it's going back to what you said about making sure guys are in their best position to succeed, um, not just as basketball players, but as men. That's the, that's the biggest thing. Because when you start talking about certain organizations, um, you talk about culture and that's why like even the Lakers when they even when they're terrible there's still an expectation even with Boston when they're terrible like they're not going to be terrible for long too though because there's mm-hmm. going to be people that want to play for those organizations right um there's there's a standard you know what I'm saying like San Antonio I think of them I think uh and I think that's why people are frustrated with New York like that because of the history there like like, what is, you know what I'm saying? That's what's frustrating to them because it's like, what the hell is going on? Like, we're not used to this. Even even if teams are terrible, you still got to compete. Right, yeah. right. And New York being you know, a major market, man. New York, you know, me being from Philly, New York was it, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Hey, yeah, Josh, I got, a, I got a question for you. Um, mm-hmm. You've seen the NBA game evolve from being a, a half-court game to a quarter-court game, and now it is – totally been revolutionized by the European game where everybody is doing everything from behind the three-point line. 
and it, they brought the big guys across that that Rubicon as well. Do you see there being a return to big men, you know, actually posting on the block like traditionally and having a back to the baskets and making low post moves the way that you had the guys doing in the 60s, 70s, and 80s and 90s? You know what's interesting about that is I, I feel I can't really like, yeah, there are bigs who shoot, but when you're actually over there, um, I mean, they got traditional like bigs that are over there. Um, I, I think that the game will, will go back to that ultimately, especially because when you look at organizations like Houston who live and die by either dunks three. or three-pointers. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you when you understand that, you know, you can't reinvent the wheel when it comes to basketball. Like, yeah, you can get better and you can evolve. You know what I'm saying? You can have people shooting threes and doing all that, but it's like, are they are they really doing that in the game? Like I see, I've seen JaVel shooting threes in his workouts, but is he really gonna pull up? Like, has he done it? Yes, that's not what I'm saying. But he's right. not doing he's not doing that at, at a high volume either. Right. You know what I'm saying? Because I'm sure any coach, like, you're gonna take them out and be like, bro, you gotta come sit over here. You just jacking up threes. <laughs> um, the Brook the Brook the Brooke Lopez's of the world, man. I, I you know, that's 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 Dime in a dozen, bro. Like, you're not you're not gonna see that that often, man. Where he's transitioned like that. But I think too, again, has that helped them win a championship? No. Especially man, so, when you need guys in there to rebound. You need like because everybody's out of position now. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like you're not even in position to get boards because of everything you're doing, you're outside. Right. So, you know, so you got guys like Russell Westbrook that get triple dubs because they're getting more rebounds in the bigs because the bigs are sitting outside of the arc. I mean, look at, look at, look at what Jokic, right? For example, right? Now, Jokic is a skilled player. He's a hell of a player. Right. But because he stayed on the outside during the Denver uh, LA series, there were games where all three of the bigs got a combined four rebounds, five. You know what I'm saying? Like, wow. It's just stuff like that because they sitting on the outside the whole time, and you know you you not by the basket. Yeah, we, we was actually talking about it earlier today, and uh, I remember someone uh, one of the uh, I can't remember one of the brothers I was speaking to, but he says basically, um, you know that because of the high uh, percentage rate of made shots, they're not worrying about offensive rebounds. I think that's bullcrap. Yeah, so so there's an article that came out where they were saying that um, the Lakers, like, I, I'm, I'm so glad you're here, Josh, because we've been talking about analytics a lot over the last couple of weeks. And I'm, I, I'm just, I'm sick of this shit, man. I feel like people that don't even like basketball, don't even watch basketball, you know what I'm saying? Like, they, they look at, like, these, like, advanced metrics, and they feel like that, that, that shit determine how you play basketball instead of looking at it in which I thought is how you use numbers to see, like, if your eyes are telling you the truth, not telling you how to play the game, right? And so there's this thing that came out talking about how um, nobody else is paying attention to rebounds, and so the Lakers, you know, are cleaning up on offensive rebounds, and that's how they're beating the game without being good a good three-point shooting team. 
I mean, it might be truth to that, but still, like you said, like analytics is, and and that's again just my opinion when it comes to basketball. Like you can probably use it and and compare it to some things or certain teams, or maybe you could use it to build your team how you want to build it out. But I have seen go wrong where you're making certain decisions just because you either want a two or a three. Like, like how would how Kevin Durant was to go to like even with Russell Westbrook? Like, how are you gonna tell them they can't do mid range shots when that's one of their strong suits? Mm-hmm. Pulling up from from two, you know what I'm saying? But Houston doesn't really like that. I know because I was there as a player and a coach. I've I've seen the struggles within the organization because they're coaching it from an analytical standpoint instead of wow. the game. Wow. I've so seen I've seen them make this, I've, yeah, and I've seen them make I've seen them make decisions where somebody from the front office will come down and be like, make this substitution because we need this shot right now, or put this you know person in the game or do this play because we need this, and it, and it just kind of like it just that, basketball is what I know it. Because then when it starts making you think about, man, I can't even take this two because I know they want a three, like, that's crazy. Gotcha. Um, so, I know we uh taking up more time than we asked for, so we got two. No, you good. Appreciate you, brother. Uh, two last questions. First, uh, what is one of your favorite moments um, of your playing career? Obviously, my first game. I think um, nothing's going to compare to that. You know, winning the championship. Um, but off the court, I, I would definitely love to say, like, when, when Kobe and D. Fish came to Riverdale, like, when I helped, when they helped me present a check to my school for um, putting, oh, in the technology, putting in the technology center at my school. So I know people still talk about that to this day. You know what I'm saying? Like, to be able to um, a legend like that down there, you know, even D. Fish, uh, you know what I'm saying, with his pedigree and everything he's done in his career, um, they came down and they supported. And I'm forever grateful, you know what I'm saying, for them doing that. Um, I mean, it's just it's just so many moments um, and memories that, that I have, and I'm just, you know, beyond grateful, you know what I'm saying? Even, even if, you know, going overseas and just having my kids be able to come live with me in Greece and experience school and a different language and a different culture. Like it's certain things that no money, no anything will be able to top, mm-hmm. you know, the experiences that, you know, the people that you love are able to get on your, you know, due to something that you love and how you love to play it. So you got the technology, work. but didn't they also give, dedicate the gym to you or something recently? Yeah, that was, um, that was what, like 10 years ago. And the, the room's still up there. I got everything. Yeah, and the rooms, are, the rooms are still up there. All right. Um. So, you know, it was just one of them things, like doing stuff, because you know, people. I mean, that's one thing I'm passionate about is doing stuff in the community, mm. and um, just being able to to give back in that manner, but to do it in a big way. And and they didn't even hesitate. You know what I'm saying? Like, we were preparing for a game, doing all that, and it's like they put all that to the side um, to do, to, to show love and do me a favor. So um, 
I, I just have a lot of great memories in the last 18 years um, that are just, you know, beyond special. You know what I'm saying? So I'm, I'm just thankful for it all. I, I can keep going when it comes to that. <laughs> That's what's up, brother. And we, we definitely appreciate you. Um, last thing is, could you share a Kobe story? If you don't mind. Uh, <laughs> let's see here. For all my Atlanta folk, I don't know who who is everybody on this phone living in Atlanta. Or y'all from different. Yes, yeah, sir. We all live in Atlanta, and me and uh, I'm from Atlanta. Okay, but, so so there we go. I know I'm gonna speak to your soul right here. Yes, man. sir. I was, a, I was I was able to get Kobe Bean Bryant to come to the Waffle House, man. Oh, what? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I bro. Told, if I walked in the house and cold dog, I would have fell. Hey, out, they bro. they was in there tripping though. But I told bro, I said, bro, you got to fuck with me, dog. You got to pull up, man. Like the Waffle House where it's at. He's like, all right, JP, bet. So like he came up in there, man. People was in there tripping. Like what, cold? What what you doing in here? He was like, motherfucker, I'm in here to eat. <laughs> 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 so yeah, man. I, I think you know from for all my Atlanta folks, man. We know how special the Waffle House is to us, man. And for me, you know, I'm heavily repping that black and gold all day, every day. So I yes, think, sir. I think, man, I'm, it's a it's a big thing for us, man, and <laughs> it's a good thing for the culture. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yeah. Well, thank you, brother. We appreciate you. Uh, could you tell us how uh, people can find you via social media? Um, Twitter, JP Twenty One Reasons on Instagram. Um, Josh Twenty One Pile, check out the T-shirt company T-shirt Shawty. Um, also, we had the training stuff with the uh, Skill Set Academy Three. I'm plugging everybody. Appreciate y'all, fellas. Love what y'all doing, man. I'm, I'm gonna give y'all these roses. You know, what I'm saying? <laughs> hey, so appreciate it. You know, appreciate good to see good to uh, see black man doing good things, man. So much love. Much yes, love sir. You, appreciate uh, you. What's your prediction for the finals? Come on, man. In the name of Kobe Bean Bryant, how dare you? <laughs> how, many, how many games that you got to go? That, that, that I don't know. I, I would say I ain't going to disrespect the Heat like that because them boys is hooping, man. I think the Heat could probably squeeze out too. Lakers, I, don't yeah. see, I, don't, I don't see it going seven, but I think they're going to squeeze out too. I think L.A. going to jump out there strong, get it probably the first two games. The Heat might get a game. L.A. going to go a 3-1. Heat get another game, and they're going to close them up. Hey, but j just in case anybody was wondering, man, it was Kobe Bean Bryant as good of a guy as they say he is? See, I caught him at 24. I can't speak on number eight. I heard about number eight. Mm -hmm. But 20, 24, man, is – that was that was like my big brother, man. Like me and him were very close. Um, he did a lot of things with all of us, though. Like he kicked it with us, you know what I'm saying? Like he pushed us, he supported us. Um, I mean, he he he. I don't have nothing bad to say about Holmes. Even even the stuff that I heard about him growing up early on in his career, I mm -hmm. understand why he was like that. I think the thing is, people. When you don't understand something, it looks like a person could be an asshole or standoffish or whatever. Right. Um, but he was just a competitor and he wanted right. to win. And right. he didn't, you know what I'm saying, how he vocalized that and showed that, you know, 
that ain't for everybody. It's the same thing as MJ. MJ shed a tear because, you know, on the last dance, he talked about shit. I might be an asshole, but this is all I know. And this is the way I'm going to get it. And if you don't like it, then you don't need to be here. Right. So I, I think if we all have the same goal in mind, you ain't going to take it personal. You know what I'm saying? You're going to step up to the plate and do what you got to do. And um, I just, I just, I just hope that, and, and I and I feel that people see seeing that and I and I think that that's why I hit everybody so hard, even with his passing, like um he, he was showing everybody the father that he was, the husband that he was, the friend that he was. Um so, you know, it's just um those those things that that, that hit home, you know what I mean, for people and um, it was a beautiful thing to to witness him in the second second chapter of his life, like you know that 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 phase right there. It was just amazing to watch. Man, no doubt. Hey, man, appreciate appreciate you sharing that with us, man, and appreciate you being on the call, man. Definitely, uh, you know this is this is a memorable thing for the Milk Duds podcast, bro. We had a legend, a, a yes, verified sir. legend, certified ATL legend. ATL legend. All That's it. And the cool and cool as a fan all the time too. So I appreciate hey, that, brother. Hey fellas, I appreciate y'all. And, and by the way, Corey, now you see what we deal with when we be over there trying to uh fan <laughs> <stuff. Look> at- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, to turn around. Yeah, to turn around like and- you make cookies. Like what? Uh, Dude, hey. we not recording. <laughs> 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 hey, hey. Hey, but fellas, man, anytime y'all want to talk, man, I'm here. Uh, keep doing what y'all doing, man, and congratulations on your show, and uh, I hope and pray that everything goes well. Thank Appreciate you, brother. you, bro. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Absolutely.